Dusty, what's the one book you can always find in our car when we're on a trip? Honestly, Mike, it is usually a Moon travel guide. That's right. Moon is our favorite travel guidebook publisher because not only are they a source for ethical travel and the best ways to get away, but their books also are packed full of information on everything from sites to see, trails to hike, restaurants, and lodging, all from real authors who are local to the areas they're writing about. That's right. And we're so excited that this year we are again partnering with Moon Travel Guides. Ready to cross something off your travel bucket list in 2024? Have a lot of great ideas for trips, but don't know how to get started or keep your itinerary organized? Wherever your wanderings might take you or inspire you to go, Moon Travel has you covered. Moon Travel is the travel guidebook publisher for ethical travel. Don't spend months trying to craft the perfect getaway when you can do it all with Moon. Whether you're headed abroad, planning to take to the open road, or want to wander the trails of a national park, make sure to pack a Moon Travel Guide with you. Through the end of 2024, our listeners can get 20% off any Moon Travel Guide when they use the code GAZE20 at checkout. That's amazing. And that is code GAZE24, G-A-Z-E-2-4 for 20% off any Moon travel guide in Moon's entire library. And that is just for our listeners, and you cannot find that anywhere else. Be sure to visit Moon.com. Head to our show notes and check it out and see Moon's entire collection of travel guidebooks. Hi everyone, it's Dusty. This episode was recorded before the stay-at-home orders of COVID-19. Therefore, our opening conversation about living on islands in isolation was had long before living in isolation became a reality. We just wanted to let you know. Thank you, and enjoy Channel Islands Part 2. I think I could live on an island. Maybe not an island in, you know... That's totally remote. Like, I think Hawaii was, like, a little extreme for me. Like, I really? think I would... I mean, I think I would go a little stir-crazy eventually, even though you can go between the islands. Yeah. But I do feel like, you know, it would have to be an island that's maybe not that far removed from the mainland. Oh. Like, I feel like the islands of the channels... The, the channel, channel islands. <laughs> or the Florida yeah. Keys. You'd or the Keys. Okay or with. like an island in Maine. There are like some islands that are inhabited in Maine that like, you know... I could do that because you could take your boat to the mainland and get provisions and like, you know, mm-hmm. hang out and see a movie, maybe. I mean, and you could do all of that on any that island things. in Hawaii. It's true. I the, mean, not any, but right. like a lot of them. Yeah. I feel like I, I, feel like I could do that. I could do it. Well, what would you, you know... What would you feel like you would miss by the not being on the mainland? Like, I would what, just the my only sort of thing would be like I would have to have people I know around me, right? You know, like if I were by myself, yeah, that would. Mm-hmm. Yeah, if I were by myself in an on an island, it would be hard only because like I would want to have you a know. volleyball that you could befriend for an entire <laughs> length of the film. <laughs> Right. right. No, I think then I would want to do like, you know, self adventures and things, but mm-hmm. then I would be limited. So then I would probably feel it. But if, if there were people around me that I knew that I loved, right. Then I, and then I think it'd be all right. Yeah. I imagine that dating must be hard on islands. Yeah. Like, it's I'm a very sure. small population of people that you're dealing with. Yeah. Like that's got to be an interesting. Unless you're dealing with Hawaii that has like a, total rotation of people coming through every week you know yeah but what sort of dating is that that's not dating no no that's just like it's like speed dating it would just depend it would have to be like a very like populous island like yeah you know i'm trying to like besides hawaii i'm really trying to like figure out like new zealand i'm sure is fine because that's like you know it's 
it's its own country. There's I a mean, lot of people. Technically speaking, Manhattan is an island. Right. But it's technically close speaking, to everything. Yeah. Right. And same thing. Like, I can't really throw New Zealand or Australia out there because mm-hmm. those are big, big yeah. old continent-sized things. Well, New Zealand's not, but Australia But is. New Zealand's still a large, large, large landmass. Yes. Yeah. yeah. What if you were on a desert island? What would you do? What would, what would be some things you would need to have with you? Something to write with. Something right. dependable that to write with. Uh-huh. And some, uh, you know, so you paper. Write manifesto. Well, write something. Right. I would want to be able to write things down. Yeah. Um, you know, I would also want to be able to read things. Mm-hmm. So I would need, you know, books, creative books. Creative books. Mm-hmm. Right. And then, you know, an endless supply of food. I would bring that with me too. Right. <laughs> Just an endless supply. Right. Eel fetch cookies for days. Oh, well, I mean, I'm sure you could make those last. I'm sure. Yeah. And you could act out little dramas with the E.L. Fudge men. Dramas. They could be like, you know. I could do all of Shakespeare plays. You could with E.L. Fudge. Yes. Mm -hmm. With the E.L. Fudge Mm -hmm. playing all the other characters. Yeah. I think it sounds great. I think for me, I would need like definitely books would be a thing that would have to happen because I would need to be entertained in some way. And, um, you know. I, I guess peanut butter is a, a must too. I feel like you could sustain on that if you needed to. You'd probably become vitamin deficient after a little while because what do you get in your protein and your sh- your salt and sugar? So um, I don't know. What else would I want to have with me? Some sort of like entertainment factor as well. I feel like we're c- both creative enough that we could come up with things and like whittle things down. And, sure. And you know make jump ropes out of like vines so you could get your exercise in. And, oh, I'm sure. And barbells out of coconuts and bamboo. Right. And this island that I've just imagined for us. There you go. With the movie star, the professor and Mary. <laughs> <laughs> right. Looking for adventure, I want to follow on the trail Or get a little lost and let the wind fill my sails Get up when the stars still fill the sky, don't wake the sun There's so much to be done, and the day has just begun Go where the postcards are real, you can feel You can open your eyes, and open your heart when you get at the National Park you, At the National Park At the National Park Follow you, I'll follow you there So last we left off we had taken off from the Cavern Point Trailhead on Channel Islands National Park. We had made our way up the Scorpion Canyon Loop Trail. We had seen yet another pile of rusted, <laughs> pile. Uh, you know, materials uh, from things. And then we had turned left. And now... We are headed left again down the smuggler's road. Before we, you know, talk a little bit more about actually the rest of our hiking, we wanted to give a little bit of a background on Santa Cruz Island. 
So as previously mentioned, the islands were home to the Chumash people for a millennia, and they operated and maintained a number of villages and seasonal settlements on the island. For most of the 19th century, different mariners found shelter in the coves of the island, and hunters and fishermen exploited the marine life. Eventually, immigrant ranchers grazed livestock, and the military actually took advantage of the island as a strategic location. Early in colonial expansion, um, when Mexico won its independence from Spain in 1821, the Mexican government actually asserted its control over California. In an effort to increase their presence, the Mexican government began sending convicted criminals to populate many areas. Around 40 prisoners were sent to Santa Barbara, where upon arrival, they were sent to Santa Cruz Island. Um, They lived for a short time in an area that is now known as Prisoner's Harbor. So that gives a little bit of history to the name of that part of the island. Through a land grant through the Mexican government, Captain Andres Castellero became the first private owner of Santa Cruz Island from 1839 to 1857. When California became a state in 1850, the government required that the land previously granted by the Spanish and Mexican governments be proved before the Board of Land Commissioners. For 12 years, Castellero's claim to the island was disputed, and and even after his property had been sold. While Castellero owned the island, Dr. James B. Shaw, who was an English physician, acted as the manager of the island, and he built the first ranch house by 1855, and he is thought to have brought the first French merino sheep to the island. After the island was sold to a William Barron, who was a San Francisco businessman and co-owner of the company Barron and Forbes & Co. Shaw continued to manage the island as superintendent and was charged by Barron to expand the sheep ranching operation began during the Castellero era. Um, With the Civil War starting, it definitely increased the demand for wool by 1864, and there were some 24,000 sheep that grazed in the hills and valleys of Santa Cruz Island. William Barron then sold the island to 10 investors from San Francisco for... $150,000. One of those investors, Justinian Kerr, was a French immigrant and founder of a successful San Francisco hardware business that sold equipment to miners. Other people also had a hand in the ranching on the island. Eventually, military forces take notice of Santa Cruz during World War II, and they had maintained strategic installations in the name of national security. It served as an early warning outpost watching for enemy planes and ships during World War II. Eventually, NPS, you know, is able to acquire all five of the islands as a part of the Channel Islands National Park, um, which was fully established in 1980. All that information on the history of the island actually comes from NPS, which, again, what a great resource we have from the NPS website. So from what I will call the top of Smuggler's Road, we headed off to the left to head back down toward the pier. Right. Now, from here, you can see Smuggler's Cove. Mm -hmm. You can see it from up there. We didn't walk down to it. No. But we could see it. And so, as we turned left to start heading down, it's still just long stretches of dirt path among lush, green, sweeping hills. Yeah. And you're on the top of this hill right now. Yeah. Basically, it's just, again, long stretches of the path before you're actually even banking and turning back. So... For a long while, we were walking in one direction towards the water. And again, you're high up here. You're at a much higher elevation on the island. After you kind of bank left to kind of switch back down along the island's edge, you're definitely getting more. At this point, I remember it started, the path started to become a little craggier here and there. Um, It wasn't terrible by any means, but this is like, I feel like there's definitely 
with rain, there's washouts and things like that that are happening. So the path itself, because it's already naturally there, probably gets a lot of whatever rainwater is coming through. And that's where you're kind of seeing this cragginess come in because of washouts on the path. Eventually, you kind of make your way and you kind of continue to meander down towards the shoreline. Um, when we had started, you could actually see right where that first bit of old machinery was that I was so excited about. You could actually see kind of a cliff edge that like was a ridge line, and that is essentially what we were coming down. Right. Um, so you start so, coming down. Yeah. What are these switchbacks that you know are right near uh, Visitor Village? Right, right. there. And at these are Scorpion very very Anchorage. steep. Like incredibly steep at Those this point. Those were very steep, but we were going downhill. Right. But we had to be careful. You did have to be careful there. But it was, I was glad in that moment to not be going up them. Oh, yeah. There were people headed up. A lot of people will, because it's a trail that you can see from like that visitor village area right, right. next to Scorpion Anchorage. A lot of people will head up that way. Right. And then go in the opposite direction of right. what we did. But we went from the Cavern Point Trailhead and then up towards Smuggler's Road via the Scorpion Canyon Loop Trail. Right. Eventually what happens is, you know, after hiking down, the bottom of the hike, the the trailhead there, as it were, kind of lets you out into almost like a wash. Like it's, and by wash, I mean, like, remember we had said that earlier in the last episode, we had kind of hiked by a dry riverbed. Well, that's what you kind of come out into. There's mm-hmm. this like, it's almost like the mouth of a river, but it's dry. So a wash and that leads you down to the beach area. This was like a perfect time to kind of just sit and have like a moment yes. after basically being beaten by the wind for, you know, a good like hour and a half or two. Mm-hmm. Um, and also after doing these like intense kind of like not necessarily that the um, decline was bad, but like you were just going down pretty quickly. And then the incline up when we were early in the trail, because the wind was beating against us, it definitely tired us both out. Oh, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. So I, it was very welcomed break for me. Yeah. And on, on the beach, you're able to kind of like sit. There were a lot of people that were embarking on kayak tours. Um, So you're watching them kind of launch from the beach or come back. There's also like Scorpion Rock is right there, which is um, it's down the beach from the pier. It's kind of like a natural sea arch that you're able Mm -hmm. to kind of take a look at from the beach. We walked definitely walked a little bit down the beach, too. And we're able to just kind of like meander a little bit. There were a lot of people that were much further down as well. So you can actually walk a pretty decent distance just on the beach itself from the pier. Um, but eventually what we do is we come back and we kind of pop a squat like on some driftwood and just like hang out for a little bit. We did. And we snacked and we just took it in. Yeah. And with that, let's take our first break. Do you know what beautiful sweeping views remind me of, Michael? What? Romantic comedy films. Oh. And in this episode, we're going to play Tropes. Right, it's a new game. New game that we just created. And in tropes, we have come up with the five tropes of a romantic comedy film Right, that you have to create for your life if your life were a romantic comedy film. Right, what would it be? Okay, so the five tropes are the love interest, the location, the event that is like driving the the plot of the movie, the action of the movie, the best friend, Mm -hmm. and the meet-cute where the meet cute happens yeah. or how the meet cute happens. Right. Okay, great. What about for you? Okay. So 
the the love interest. So we get to pick anybody, basically. Anyone. Celebrity. Mm-hmm. Celebrity. My love interest is in this film of my life, we're going to say. James Marston. Yeah, of course. What was the other? Location. The location. Mm. I'm going to like just go with familiar territory here, and I'm going to say Philadelphia. Okay. The exotic city Great. of Philadelphia. Great. Right. Um, the location, the meet cute. The, no, no, the, the event. Oh, the event. Oh, the event. What event is happening that's driving this? Mm, it's the charity auction for the um, animal adoption center that I work for. Great. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> I was very deep with that. Great. I love it. <laughs> I love it. Uh-huh. Um, the meat cute. The meat cute is James Marsden um, comes in as a volunteer for this event. Um, and I, it's, you know what it is? It's a bachelor charity auction for the pet, the pet center and he comes in as a volunteer mm-hmm. and I think that he is one of the bachelor the bachelors for the event I see you see what's oh, happening oh and then wires are identities. mistaken identities oh I like this and um, my best friend is Catherine Hahn Oh, I love that great is she like a work wife best friend she's like a work wife best friend great yeah. yep what about you okay Oh, you should probably come up with a title for the film for me. Okay, can great. You com- can uh-huh. you- mm-hmm. And I'll do the same for you. Okay, roll with me here. It's called- Is that what it's called? No. It's called Community Service. Okay. And the reason I say that is because James Marsden is doing some court-ordered community service oh. at your um, at your Humane Society. Got it. Great. I love it. So tell me your five tropes now. Oh, what is- Did you come up with a title for yours? Oh, sick as a dog in love. Oh, great. Yeah. Perfect. There we go. Yeah. Okay, cool. Okay, so mine. Great. In this sort of like alternate universe version of our lives mm-hmm. as romantic comedies. Okay, so the love interest is Ryan Reynolds. Oh, of course. Of course. The location is Florida. Okay. Like the Florida Keys area. Okay. And um, the event is this fishing rodeo. Fishing rodeo. Yes. A fishing rodeo is where you go out and you catch fish and bring it in and you can like win if your fish is the biggest. And you ride a shark. So not exactly. No, no. So um, the Ryan Reynolds has a boat and comes down and has booked a room to stay Mm -hmm. in my house via Airbnb. Okay. Right. But he quickly realizes that he, like, he keeps striking out every time he, like, goes out to catch fish. And I was, and I'm like, oh, well, have you tried the following places? And then I end up being, like, like going and we catch fish together. Okay. <laughs> right. <laughs> and who so is anyway, your best friend? The best friend is, um, would be the neighbor. Okay. And she would be played by, I think it would be a um, Catherine O'Hara. Gotcha. As the best friend from next door. Uh, I see. And um, then uh, the meet cute Mm -hmm. would happen, like, it would probably be some sort of, like, a situation where I come home, like, late and had, like, forgotten that he was coming to stay 
as an Airbnb guest because I, you know, it was the situation where it was like, I just had it ready, but I, you know, and the keys were wherever. And then I get home and there's like blood all over the kitchen floor (laughs) because of the like fish that he was cleaning. And I like think something terrible has happened. And then like, it's one of those, like we both scare each other and scream in each other's face moments where I'm like, Oh, you're here and you're, fishing and you're not cleaning murdering. fish and you're not murdering <laughs> right yeah, so that's good that kind of thing oh i like that that's and then good. we share a meal yeah because he's apologizing for uh scaring the me. blood right exactly <laughs> and then he's like i swear i'll clean up that kind of thing mm. um yeah so that's that right and what would be the title of this film well a real easy is there's a few that we could call it shooting fish in a barrel we could call it plenty of fish in the sea fish rodeo love <laughs> <laughs> these are not great titles no i no, know they're not mm-hmm. um i think i would probably like the name of the little place where i had a house would be called like something's cove and mm. the name of it would be something's cove mm-hmm. whatever it would be dusty's cove dusty's cove mm. there we go no <laughs> no Mm-mm. the wharf how about love is key and key is spelled q u a Y because that's like like a key like a landmass and like True. you live on or a key if it was Florida keys yeah. but they're not spelled that way no but you could do you could do that love is key love is keys and then you could have I don't the think end. so I don't <laughs> think wow because now we're doing now it's kids bop yeah it right. is kids bop wow. So after sitting on the beach for a little while, we wanted to really figure out how we can make the most of our time left on the island. Um, The nice thing about the map is that they do give like a breakdown of trails, the distance and the time. So we were able to kind of gauge some things by um, how much time we had left and what was really accessible for us to do. It was probably getting close to around like one o'clock at this time. And so like we had a 3.30 departure. Mm -hmm. So we knew it couldn't be the longest of things. And we right. also knew like we didn't want to run. No. We did not want to do a trail run. We wanted to do a walk. We looked at our options. We looked specifically at Potato Harbor Road and the North Bluff Trail. What was great about looking at these was that you could, there were like three ways that you could exit this trail. Mm-hmm depending on time that could like work out in your favor. Right. So you could build on if you needed to or cut back. Yeah. Yeah. So we were like, let's go do that one because we have options. Right. And that was going to take us along a different edge of the island too. We'd already seen like the Western side of the island. So we wanted to kind of take a look at more of like the North Northwest side of the island. Now, something that they told us right when we pulled up to channel islands was that there are lots of different animals that live on Channel Islands, and one of them was the island fox, Mm -hmm. and that we will probably see a number of them, and that they're very cute, and they're small. They're only like 10 to 12 inches long, and they're only like 4 to 5 pounds, and that they will probably walk up to you, and they were very clear to us. They were like, do not, do not feed them. Right. Do not feed them. And do not touch them. Yeah. I'll tell you, it's really hard because they're adorable. And they do walk right up to you. they walk right up to you. So we were right near the camping area where there were some restrooms right after this. Mm -hmm. And like there was the place to fill up water. So I was filling up water. This little island fox just like... Trotted over. Trotted over and stood right next to me. And I was like, 
no, honey, I can't do anything for you. Because we're humans and we see things that are cuddly and we want to feel them. (laughs) It's like, you no, you cannot. You cannot touch the side. Don't feel them. Don't. Do not. Yeah. It's better for you and them if you don't do that. Right. So just a disclaimer, you know, for the people who like want to go up in Yellowstone and touch the animals, do not do this. Yeah. So we are guests in their environment. Exactly. It's not the other way around. The Island Fox has always existed in smaller populations. They saw a really catastrophic decline in the 1990s. Mm. It was attributed to golden eagles being predators. Right. Which I think had come back because they stopped using DDT, which was a problem for golden eagles and Mm -hmm. peregrine falcons. Yeah. In addition to the DDT caused decline of bald eagles, a natural competitor facilitated the establishment of golden eagles as a resident breeders on this island. Mm. Right. By 2000, there were only like 15 on San Miguel and less than 80 on Santa Cruz. Wow. And in 2004, they named it uh, endangered. Okay. In 1999, they started an island fox recovery program Mm -hmm. on Channel Islands National Park that included captive breeding and reintroduction of foxes and removal of resident golden eagles Mm. um, and reestablishing of bald eagles. As of today, the population has recovered. Oh, that's good. Before, the island fox was considered near extinction. Okay. Which... P.S. Extinction is crazy to me. You know what I mean? Like, we just will never have that animal ever again. Yeah. Ever again. No matter what we <laughs> Welcome do. Welcome to the world. I we know, live in. <laughs> but I'm serious. Yeah. So with this recovery program, not only has it recovered the population, it is now actually off the endangered species That's list. That's great. It is still considered threatened. near threatened. Got it. In the list, the red list of endangered species. But... You know, that just goes to show you, like, if you put time and energy and money into recovery programs, they can work. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, that little island fox is there now. And it's small. It is the cousin of the gray fox. And um, they don't have any natural predators. Thank you. No more golden eagles. Right. They don't have any natural predators, which is why they can they come out during the day. Yeah. Because gray foxes come out at night and are nocturnal because mm. their predators are alive and awake during the day. Yeah. So there we go. So we there got we go. very close to an island fox, but yeah. um but yes, no touching. No touching. After seeing the island foxes and filling up bladders and water bottles, we start our way up the Potato Harbor Road Trail. And so, like Dusty had said, it's probably around one o'clock at this point. And this is a trail that just had the most this was like you're walking along on the campground and then it's like oh there's the jet off for the trail and it was just like straight incline and it was on like white sandy kind of like white rocky craggy like landscape and the sun was just beating intensely right down onto us and i remember i was like oh boy here it is so (laughs) right yeah. Yeah. So we just started right there and you know, it's like that incline like doesn't abate really. It doesn't. No. Like now this was long before we did Black Canyon at the Gunnison. Yeah. But I do remember going like I was just playing that game in my head of like just just <laughs> right. want to right there. Yeah. And then, you know, and then you'll be all right. Yeah. We yeah. were also hiking with and around people at this point yeah too. there were so some there was other like groups a couple of that was like in front of us that we caught up with because it was like 
it just was you had to stop and take breaks because of how much incline this was it just was intense and the sun being as strong as it was at this point um, and I guess where we were the wind had sort of just like becalmed all of a sudden Um, it may have just been what we were behind or like how we were on the island because we weren't up top and the heat was just I just remember we were in jackets for most of the hike because the wind was like whipping it was still a beautiful oh, yeah. day oh, yeah. but I just remember being like everything must come off right now like mm-hmm. it was so 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 terribly hot eventually we do get to the top of the ridge line at the top of Potato Harbor Road and finally when we got there it like smoothed out a little bit and the wind returned and the so wind it was returned. like refreshing but we I remember looking and I was like it's got to like you couldn't really see it from like being down below right and it was like we've got to be getting towards some sort of like flattened area soon. And I felt like every time we would almost get there, you'd see like more incline. Right. And then as you got up to the top, the incline was certainly less steep, but just the fact that it was more incline was, was a little annoying. Right. When you kind of reach the top of Potato Harbor Road, that's where the North Bluff Trail kind of cuts in so you can keep walking on potato harbor road all the way to potato harbor which again was something that we were like do we really have the time for this do we really want to rush on our way back and we did walk a little beyond like where the north bluff trail we did yeah um like cuts in we did walk a little further we were like let's walk just there to see because we could also see people ahead of us on the trail we did probably walking to um prisoners harbor right yeah And so we did walk a little, you know, toward the edge there. And then we just turned around and we came back. And by turned around and came back, I mean, we walked back to where the North Bluff Trail intersects with the Potato Harbor Road. Right. And with that, let's take our second break. Ladies, gentlemen, and everyone in between, please welcome to the stage. Cardio Day. Cardio Day. Cardio Day. All right. So I, she's an Irish queen because her right. last name is O'Day. O'Day. Cardi O'Day. Cardi O'Day. She was a play on Cardi B. That's she when was I, a little bit. Yeah. yeah. That's when I like came up with that. I was like, oh, it's got to be like Cardi. How do we make Cardi B like a, yeah, a Cardi drag O'Day. queen? Cardi right. O'Day. I like that one. Yeah. Um, I feel like she's not a reference to cardio workouts. I okay. want her to be something else other oh. than that. Because I feel like that's so on, on the, the nose. nose. All right. You know what I mean? I want her to... That's how I envisioned her. I know. But I want us to think beyond just like the first <laughs> the level. Surface. The surface here. She's an Irish step dancer. Oh, I is. love that. She was in the original tour of Riverdance. <laughs> Stop. I had Riverdance on VHS. I'm sure, and that's why you're gay. <laughs> <laughs> God, I loved Riverdance. Because mm-hmm. Michael Flattery told you. Michael Flatley. Flatley. Yes, get it right. Mm-hmm. Michael Flatley. Yeah, she's an Irish step she's dancer. She's an Irish step dancer. I mm-hmm. think so. Yeah. I think so. I so think she does get her cardio in. So She gets her cardio in on the step dancing. Mm-hmm, on right. the step dancing. I, I feel like you could... Um, it's definitely not an Irish song by any means, but I feel like... Um, She's a maniac is definitely the song that oh, she, she Irish to. step dances she step and lip syncs to, to she's, she's a, a maniac. And she's dancing on the oh, floor. That is a good idea. <laughs> that is a really good idea. Yeah. And then maybe she has the water that comes down and pours over her. Yeah, hand. but that yeah? yeah. 
Wasn't that, isn't that Flashdance or is that She's a Maniac is where the water comes in? I've never really seen all Flashdance. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's when it happens is to She's a Maniac? No, no. She's a Maniac is the music that plays in the audition at the end. Okay. But it's still a Flashdance reference oh, yeah, to yeah, the water yeah. come down at yeah. the end. Right? Yeah, I feel like that works real well. Does she also have flags? Does she flir- twirl flags too as a know, part of maybe her if she wants to. Yeah. If she wants to. <laughs> you can do what you want to. I feel like her hair is short. I feel like okay. she has like a bob that like flips up. Mm. All of her gowns or dresses are above the knee so oh, that you yeah. can see her Irish step dancing So you happening. can see those firm, powerful legs at work. Yeah, at mm-hmm. work, exactly. With those knee-high socks. Right. Yeah, and different um, tartan material, different tartan sort of patterns. Well, then now we're getting into the world of Scottish. Well, we can just, we can do what we want. <laughs> she can do what she wants she to. We can, can do, do what, what she, she wants. wants to. She could be a Scotch-Irish step dancer Scotch-Irish. Mm-hmm. if she wants to be. There we go. There I we go. love her. So there we go. Ladies, gentlemen, and everyone in between, please welcome to the stage. Cardio Day. From where we just were, we got on the North Bluff Trail. Mm -hmm. And this was a relatively flat trail most of the time. I mean, it's just like little ups and downs every here and there. But you're like right at the top and you're not far from like what is essentially a cliff edge. Yeah. But you're far enough away to like, I didn't have, there was no fears of heights happening. No, there's definitely at like all at least a, there's a land gap between the trail and, you know, the Certainly. cliff edge for sure. Um, which is just like beautiful, like grass and wildflowers, like everywhere. Like yes. that was what we were experiencing up here and more winds. There was a lot of winds. Um, you were also able to see like a lot of the, the edges of the because of the way the island's contouring was you were able to see like edges of the cliffs that made up the the edges of the island so you you got a lot of different views um i do remember being able to be close enough to the cliff edge though at certain points where you could like peer over and see the water below like oh, yeah. very clearly mm-hmm. that did give a little bit of anxiety for sure yeah, yeah. i think you did that i didn't do no that. of course you didn't no so i stayed on the trail yeah i didn't think i was off trail though either i think i just was closer to the edge of the trail oh okay yeah i wasn't i didn't come home laden with ticks so no I was you didn't on the trail. No, you were no i wasn't no mm-hmm. you certainly I knew you didn't were go off trail yeah. i'm not implying anything yeah you're imploding it i'm not <laughs> yeah mm. We continued on the North Bluff Trail, and I remember, like, we tried to take, like, a picture of the two of us standing up there. It was really hard because it was so windy. Yeah, they all looked bad. They all... (laughs) (laughs) Also tired, sweating. Yeah. You know. Tired, sweating is how I sweat mostly when I'm tired. I know. I know. Same. tired sweats. So, the North Bluff Trail was, like, kind of lovely and easy. Yeah. Up here at the top. Yeah. And, you know, up and down, you know... Occasionally. Uh, occasionally. But I found the part that got the hardest was when we decided to finally like jut off and head back toward the center of what we're calling Visitor's visitor village. village. Yeah. There are three options. You could either take a trail that will bring you back down to that center road. Mm-hmm. You could either take a service road where, you know, that's made for cars, but you can walk on it. Right. Back down to that road. Or you can take the Cavern Point Loop all the way around and then back to the down pier, basically. to the pier, essentially. Yeah. We were a little concerned with time, yeah. so we decided 
not to do the cavern point loop. That was originally part of our plan. It just like didn't seem like there was going to be enough time. And I think at this point too, you know, we spent like four hours in the car in the morning. We rode a ferry. We did one long hike already. This is our second long hike. And we wanted to just have some time to also take in the islands like that didn't involve us like walking anywhere and just like having the time to also see like the interpretive center slash structure that was like original to the island or semi-original to the island. So we wanted to have that time too. So I think we were just trying to give ourselves a little bit of a break on our last day. We were. However, the trail like from the North Bluff Trail back to like that center road that was a little tough. Like, yeah, it was, it was really, really craggy. Really craggy, and it was mostly downhill. Yeah, but, um, but yeah, it was and a little wet occasionally. Right in spots, that took some time. That took a little bit of like maneuvering. Yeah, well, I think too that similar to when we were on the Scorpion Loop, that towards the end there, where I was saying it seemed a little washed out in some spots, and there was that cragginess. It's, it was a similar feeling. It just was more intense here. This did feel like more rugged terrain than what he had experienced anywhere else on the island at this point. And that was fine. It just was very, very different. And in the end, it kind of was like the, the straw that broke the camel's back, I think, for the both of us. It definitely sent us over like our wall territory. And it was like, oh, we're done. Yes. Yeah. yes. And yeah. at that point, it was like, yes, let's just walk into this museum and enjoy what you know, it has to offer. Yeah. And so that's where we learned definitely a little bit more, like after getting back and kind of like getting down to the bottom and the main road and heading back into that museum, it also gave us the time to use the restroom um, and also learn a little bit more about the island and its history, its ranching history, its mining history. You know, there's also a part of the island that is a natural reserve for birds that you cannot go on to. Uh, you know, the MPS owns most of the island, but half of it is for bird preservation and wildlife preservation. So we were able to learn a little bit about that as well. This was where we first learned about the island fox and its history mm-hmm. was here in this museum exhibit. Yeah. Because there was a lot that I talked about as far as the environment and like changes to the environment over time too. And how Channel Islands plays a role in animal recovery. Mm -hmm. After being in the museum for some time, we kind of headed down to the beach a little earlier than the ferry time just to kind of spend some more time at the beach. And also to make sure that, you know, we were there and didn't miss the boat. <laughs> right. Also, we couldn't this spend Libra time. over here making sure it was like, no, it would be good to be there early. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm the Capricorn over here going, yeah, or we could be like 10 minutes early. Nope, that's too, nope. No, 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 that's not early enough. Yeah, but there already, there already <laughs> was a line when we got there. There was already a line, yeah. so I'm glad we did get yeah, there early. because it also gave us the opportunity to sit inside the ferry. We did. We sat inside the ferry. As opposed to like being and windblown at the top again. We were exhausted when we sat inside that ferry. Mm-hmm. We sat down on the inside cabin. We got a little, you know, area to sit in and we were just collapsing and sleeping the whole way back. Yeah, there was definitely like languid, like tired. No, oh, seriously. Yeah. Seriously. But we did. We finally made our way back to Ventura. The Ventura. And um, got into the car. And then we had to go straight to the airport. Well, we did want to try to find tacos. Oh, that's true. We wanted to find some authentic tacos. Because that's been a tradition usually last last day. We try to find tacos. But 
we ended up with just Chipotle. We found that at <laughs> <Mount> Chipotle. <laughs> and we found them at Chipotle. All right, let's put these trails on the Karen Stone scale. Great. So the Scorpion Canyon Loop Trail, which um, we did most of in episode 39. Correct. Um, I'm going to say a five. I feel like it feels pretty middle of the road. There's a lot of incline. Even despite the wind, I do feel like there's a, enough of a challenge that it's not just like a light walk. Um, and you definitely have to, you know, persevere through that incline and the decline eventually too. I too am going to give it a five. I too will give it a five. I too, Dara, <laughs> will give it a five. So a 10 out of 20. A 10 out of 20. Great. For the same reasons. Yeah. It's the, the incline is... It's, I mean, it's... Substantial. Substantial. Yeah. I wouldn't say significant, no. but it's substantial. Yeah. You got you to gotta use them legs. Yep. You got to use them legs. Um, so what about Potato Harbor and North Bluff? Because I feel like we can loop those together. Okay. So North Bluff, I think, by itself is fairly easy. Yeah. So the majority of the Karen Stones are going to come from the, the Potato Harbor Road. Yeah. I'm giving this a five out of 10. Okay. Because of because the of Potato Harbor Road of the top and Potato Harbor being more difficult. Yeah, I agree with you there. I was going to say six, but I, I think that you know the most difficult part is the first third of it, which is that incline up Potato Harbor Road, and then North Bluff is fairly easy, and then the descent on North Bluff or that whatever that trail is there that leads you down. That's a little tricky, but not as hard as the incline. So I'm curious to know what the incline would be going up the Cavern Point Loop. Mm-hmm. Like if you went up Cavern Point Loop and then just did all of that and then continued on to North Bluff and yeah. then hooked around to Potato Harbor and went down, I'm sure that would be a little different. Well, but, things we'll have to discover on our next trip to yes, Channel Islands, but along coming, with all the other islands that we have to go back and visit. I know. What a good so excuse. many <laughs> islands. Now let's play some Jeopardy. All right, young Michael, shall I start us off with <laughs> my category today? You shall, old Dusty. All right. Inspired by the name Channel Islands. Mm-hmm. This category is called Name That Channel. Well, I almost wrote this Jeopardy. I really did. (laughs) I was like, oh, I'll just give some TV shows like Daria and Singled Out, which aren't the same channel, but I was Mm going to do something like this. This is literally what what I've done. Right. Well, I'm glad that we were on a brain intervened again. And we were writing them at the same time. We were. Look at that. We didn't write the same one. Okay. So you have to name the network. Great. I'm going to give you, I have three, but um, we're going to start with one, okay. and maybe you can get it after the first one. <laughs> Monk, Blue Blood, <laughs> US, what is USA? <laughs> Go ahead. The L word. What is Showtime? That is correct. What were the others? Dexter mm-hmm. and Weeds. I love the L word. <laughs> <laughs> I did not know that about you. I love Stop. the L word. And it's coming back, We need back, to talk right? about this. Yeah. I have we feel like I have no one to talk this. to about the L word. Yeah. I got into it real late, though. Oh, my God. With my Things I'm learning about had, you like, dish for network. the first time. And in college, our, our landlord wow. had Dish Network. So we had Dish Network for like <sighs> a little while. And the L word was on there. And I fell deeply into the L word. Mm. Mm-hmm. Okay. Great. great. Here we go. 200. Mm-hmm. Fargo. 
Is it TNT? Incorrect. Mm. Archer. What is FX? That is correct. Yeah. The third one was going to be It's Always Sunny in Great. Philadelphia. Right. Okay. Saved by the Bell. What is ABC? No. Punky Brewster. What is NBC? That is correct. Okay. The third one on that list was going to be Quantum Leap. Wings. Wings. <laughs> 400. White Collar. What is TBS? Incorrect. What is TNT? No. No. What I'm is USA? Be the next one, <laughs> Mr. Robot. What is USA? That is correct. God, damn and the it. third one was Monk. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, great. 500. Any day now. I don't know. Strong medicine. What is lifetime? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah, of course it is. Yes. Um, the third one was going to be The Division. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All those like late 90s, early oh, aughts, yeah. original lifetime programming. What was Touched by an Angel on? ABC? Was that Hallmark? No, it was ABC or NBC okay. or CBS. Or it was one of those big three. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Great. So my category is titled fairy tales in honor of our trip on a ferry oh now this is all very much so centered around pathology wait what mythology i thought you said pathology 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 yeah um so ready for fairy tales i'm ready great in ancient rome Charon, the ferryman of the underworld was associated with the river acheron but is more commonly associated with this river of the underworld also a name of an 80s band what is sticks that is correct s-t-y-x that's correct in the inferno by dante alighieri dante argues with Charon about crossing the acheron because he is still alive it's not until this traveler partner of dante tells Charon that his crossing is god's will that he allows him to pass who is Virgil? That is correct. In Greek and Roman culture, when a person died, they would often have this item placed in their mouth, which was commonly referred to as Charon's obol, or a way to allow passage to the land of the dead. What is a lemon? Incorrect. No, I don't know. What is a coin? Oh. Um, in many myths, this messenger god was described as the psychopomp to Charon, or someone who also guided the souls of the dead to the underworld. Oh, who is Hades? Incorrect. Who is Hermes? Oh, Hermes. Yeah, this messenger god. The messenger, mm-hmm. yes. Hermes also had the wings on his... Sandals. Sandals, right? Sandals, yeah, he did. And didn't he rescue Medusa? That was Hermes, he right? He rescued Medusa? Right? Like didn't he pre- or de- defeat Medusa? No. No? Who's that? That was Harry Hamlin. <laughs> 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 Who was the let's talk about the husband? <laughs> Wasn't that Theseus? Perseus. It's Perseus. It's Perseus. Right. On Pegasus. Yeah. Have you never seen the original Clash of the Titans? That's why I said it's Harry Hamlin. No, I Harry have Hamlin not. played Perseus. Got you it. just laughed at that because it was funny. Is that what you did? <laughs> yes, I did. <laughs> I laughed at it because it was funny. Okay, great. I'll take it. It sounded like a like a Dorothy Spornak reference. Mm, okay. You know, yep. so that's why. Well, that's who I am. Dorothy yes. Spornak. Mm-hmm. Anyway, um, and fairy tales for 500. While many heroes and gods have crossed into the underworld through trickery, or in the case of Hercules, through strong arming Charon, only one is said to have entered by paying the price in melody to the ferryman while in search of his departed wife. Who is Orpheus? That is correct. And Eurydice. God, I love that one. 
And that's fairy tales. That was a good category. Mm -hmm. And look at us almost writing the same category twice. twice. I know. I almost wrote yours. You almost wrote mine. Yeah. It's going to happen. When two becomes one. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like the Spice Girls song. Exactly. This has been Gaze at the National Parks, the podcast. And we're here to remind you to hike early and hike often, and that adventure is always out there. Gaze at the National Parks was created and is hosted by Dustin Ballard and Michael Ryan. To see images from this episode, follow our Instagram at Gaze at the National Parks. To contact us, email us at gaze at the national parks at gmail.com. And to find out more about Channel Islands National Park and all of the other parks mentioned on this show, visit our website gaze at the nationalparks.com and that's gaze g-a-z-e all original artwork featured on our website and on instagram is by michael ryan all original music is written by dave seaman and performed by dave seaman mariella klinger and sean sklios our music producer is skylar fortgang this episode was edited by dustin ballard we would also like to acknowledge that while hiking on santa cruz island and channel islands national park that we were on the traditional lands of the chumash people Thank you.